Well, welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I'm Chris Bryant. We wanted to start something a little different and counter to what many have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church thought. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible in this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply it. We will talk about this material each week. We have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about His Word with us. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whatever time it is there. Welcome back to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I am Chris Bryant, your host, and joining me today, I've got Ricky Brooks, my co-host. Ricky, are you ready to open up this bottle? I am definitely ready. I, I love this topic. It's a little bit controversial. It's a little bit consoling. It's completely a complete demonstration of the crazy love of God. He really does care about us. And uh, illuminating our mind is a precious, precious thing that God does. I'm excited. Let's go. Let's go. Right. Well, as, as Ricky drew there, we are talking about illumination, this theological term that, uh, well, we'll go through exactly what it is and potentially what it's not. But illumination, just we've seen in previous podcasts, we've used this term and we've also used the layman term, I guess, of it would just be communication of God to us through his media, if you will. So let's uh, let's talk about the facts and the factoids of illumination. Now, illumination, we've got facts and factoids, but first we have to say what a factoid is because by the definition in the dictionary, many people screw up this word. I've heard it in church, and when they say factoids, they mean facts, but factoids, in fact, are not facts. Factoids are something that's said over and over and over again and eventually accepted as fact, though it has no verifiable instances, much like a superstition would be, or, you know, saying if I break a, break a mirror, it's seven years, bad luck. Well, I've heard it so much, it must be true, right? But it's not. Uh, I've broken plenty of mirrors. So, you know, I did not know that. I thought, I, I thought what you're saying was true, that people, when they hear the word factoid, I thought it was like a little short snippet of something that's true like a one-liner that's true well you know like a one-liner or a short description versus you know a lengthy explanation of something right i thought a factoid was here's a little little statement that's very true and potentially meaningful for you so let me give you this little factoid but the dictionary says totally otherwise. It's like a superstition. Yeah, and I'll even give you the definition per Merriam-Webster, if you trust them since 1828, is what they say. Definition of a factoid. 
An invented fact believed to be true because it appears in print. An invented fact. True because it's in print. That seems to be pretty big on today's social media life. Okay. So let's first talk about some of these factoids associated with how we expect God to communicate with us. What are some of the ways you've heard in maybe your own groups or, I mean, how long you've been a pastor for what, like 40 years or something like that? 40 plus. Yeah. So I'm sure you've heard different ways people come to your office and say, God told me this is what I'm supposed to do, right? Yes. Um, well, everything from a burning in the bosom, quiver in my liver, <laughs> to a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy. God told me I saw something. Like a sign or something? A sign or something like that. A, a deep feeling. And whenever I ask for clarification, um, I'll say, was it like an audible voice of God? Usually people say, no, it was more of an impression in my mind, in my heart. However, I have had some people say, yes, it was an audible voice from God. I saw Jesus and he talked to me. Uh, some people would like in in discerning the will of God. If enough people say it, it must be the will of God. Uh, churches make decisions um, in attempt to discern the will of God. And I don't know how they determine it, but if it's the will of God, I don't know why the church has to vote on it, but then they'll end up having a vote. And if a large majority are in agreement, they'll move in that direction. None of those, this is where it's really important, none of those can be substantiated means by which present-day believer is communicated to by God himself. So why do you think they hold those beliefs? Like why? Because I've heard a lot of those those same things. The Lord wants me to go get married again. Like especially in the solo parent circles that we have. It's, oh, well, you know, I, I just I feel that God wants me to get out there and try again. And, you know, or it, even it might be something completely different than than dating, but it is, I'm supposed to move here. I'm supposed to talk to this person. I'm supposed to buy this particular thing. What, what are all these beliefs on how God communicates to us? Where are they coming from? Well, I think they come by way of tradition. They're, they're handed down. And because we see in the Bible people being led by God through an audible voice or a dream or other unusual ways, right? Then an assumption can be made at some point. Well, if God did that for someone in the Bible, then he could do it for me too. Then some teacher comes along and says, no, God will do it for you this way. And it just gets passed down as, as, as bad teaching, but accepted as factual because in that environment, they think it's in it's factual but so somebody has to look carefully at all of those passages and ask the question 
does that mean that is available for every believer throughout time, right? And you'd have you'd be hard pressed to study all 66 books of the Bible and come to that conclusion. There's a really good book on all of this, at least in, not all of it, uh, as it applies to knowing the will, the perfect will of God for your life. And of course, we can know the will of God, the biblical will of God, by studying his Bible. And everything permitted, so to speak, within biblical parameters is the will of God for my life. But people will also read the Bible and they'll see things like God telling Philip to go someplace specific in the book of Acts. And they'll want to have that specific type of thing. Should I marry this person? Should I go to that college? Should I start this business? And they are living under this notion that God will communicate to, to them that very specific thing. There's a really great book about all of that. It's called Decision-Making Decision and the Will of God. And the author's name is Gary Friesen. Uh, you could find it on Amazon, Decision-Making and the Will of God by Gary Friesen. And he does a, a spectacular Bible study service for us by going step by step and fact by fact to demonstrate that that's not how God is leading us today. So without spending an entire podcast or maybe two or three on how we know those are not the way God leads us, um, for our purposes, we will share more about illumination, which is one of the primary ways God leads us and by which we know God's present presence in our life. Because clearly God does communicate to us just not through those particular ways. They're just transferred so often that they become they become factoids. Uh, nice use of the word. Love it. Yeah. You know, I, I looked up factoid as well in dictionary.com. And dictionary.com has an assumption or speculation that is reported and repeated so often that it becomes accepted as fact. Yeah, that's kind of what I learned back in fourth grade with the definition. But Yeah, and, and I think that does happen with this particular, this particular issue. And, of course, people want to hear from God, right? I mean, I, 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 I would I'm long for, you know— <laughs> the Lord Jesus to burst into time and space and appear to me. I, I totally get that. I remember losing when I lost my wife in a tragic car accident. I, there was nothing I wanted more than for God to show up and talk to me like he, you know, like he did in the old Testament to folks as the angel of the Lord. Right. Or like like the Apostle John, the opening chapter of the book Revelation, where the 
the resurrected and ascended Lord Jesus appeared to him, you know, I want that. I wanted that desperately. Um, but Hebrews chapters one and two and other places tell us that the miraculous, the signs and wonders were given for a specific reason. The other thing too, is when you study all of this and you look at the entire scope of, of, the 66 books of the Bible, what you find is God did that special form of communication on very, very rare occasions to very, very few people. I mean, we're talking 1,500 years in the making of those 16, of those 66 books. But the history that it spanned was writing about was around four thousand years, right? So a lot of a lot of time is being talked about uh, multiple continents, multiple countries, multiple authors, and and really that specific means of God communicating brand new information showing up in a dream a vision a theophany a christophany was very very rare very rare it actually brings to mind matthew 16 4 where we see the the idea of signs it says in matthew 16 4 a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Jesus left them and went away. And I often think, you know, we we look for a sign, and I did. Oh, my gosh. After my, my marriage dissolved and broke up, I was looking for anything from God. Like, why won't you talk to me? Why won't you, why won't you come sit here with me and describe what went wrong and why and, and how? And I didn't get anything. And I was like, oh, God left me. And that was my assumption because I wasn't hearing an audible voice like another human being. But mm-hmm. as I've come to understand, he gave me everything I needed in his word. When mm-hmm. I think back to like the time of Moses, Moses didn't have the Bible. So he didn't already have God's words recorded that he could go to. So therefore, God had to speak directly to him even going through the rest of the Old Testament. While there were some portions of Scripture like the Pentateuch or, you know, the the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, for the the minor prophets later on, Habakkuk and Micah and, and all of them, they had potential access to those scrolls. Ultimately, there was very little in the way of what God had communicated to mankind. But now we have everything needed. And in fact, in Peter's epistle, he says, we have everything we need for godliness and life. Or some translations say, for a godly life. And that's in 2 Peter 1. I think it's in verse 3. But we see this. We have the entire revelation of God. The only thing that we're promised is that there's going to be what I think maybe two more, two more prophets that come by and, and revelation. 
Yeah, we know that we know that that's going to happen in the future. Yes. Yeah. And that would be the only time where we could potentially receive something more from the Lord. But everything else is already summed up. God's plan came to full fruition and is complete. So he doesn't need to tell us anymore. Every situation that's in there seems to come in the context that I need. I'll give a a quick example. I I know you want to share something. I saw you pull out your Bible there. (laughs) But I have a a couple of individuals in my discipleship groups. And they say, hey, I just need a little bit of wisdom or advice on this situation. So I listen to them. And without me trying to fix their problem, I just listen and I go, Lord, I wonder, wonder what you have for them. And I'll have this little snippet come into my mind. Hey, just remind them of Balaam and Balak, the king, and, and that situation. I say, hey, you know, I, I can't tell you what to do in that situation. But I was just thinking of a, a Bible story that uh, occurred with Balaam being asked to curse the Israelites. And then I give kind of the context of what that was. And I say, you know, maybe if you read through that a couple times, I think maybe God will lead you to your answer. And they say, okay, thanks. And they go read it. And it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't even realize. So one story that seemed to not be even correlated in the slightest, all of a sudden through that, God answered their very question. He didn't need to say, ah, Jimbo, here is the exact thing I need you to do. Instead, he said, hey, I already revealed this through my word. Here it is. Go read it. Right. So that that's kind of I've, I've had multiple cases like that where it's just, hey, you know, I, I don't know what you're doing or what you're struggling in. But kind of this verse or this chapter of the, of the word of God came to my mind. Uh, maybe if you read it, you can get the answer. And then they, they go and read it and they're like, wow. This is what I needed. And it's not like Chris advice. We're like, wow, Chris, that was very wise of you. It was like, uh, well, the Bible answered it, though. (laughs) I wasn't wise. I didn't give you the advice. I just told you to go, you know, maybe check out this verse. And then the Holy Spirit goes, ah, but I have the wisdom for you. And here is uh, here's what you need. Yeah, that's really good. Well, I went to my Bible because when when you were talking and before you before you mentioned Second Peter chapter one verse three, as you were talking, my mind was illuminated about the same passage, and I was about ready to open the Bible up <laughs> and and read Second Peter chapter one verse three. We've been given everything we need for you know life and holiness in in God's truth. So there was an there was a moment of of illumination. Now, I don't know if you prepared ahead of time for that. Not if at all. Not, yeah. You know, but in my case, for for sure, just a reminder of God's of God's word. And you were talking, you know, you're talking about Moses and, and all of those those people. Well, once some of the word of God that was given to Moses by the inspiration of God, it was recorded when Joshua took over and Moses passed away. The very first chapter 
of Joshua, Joshua's first instruction from God was to meditate on all the law, all the word of God that had been downloaded to downloaded, I guess, good contemporary terminology through through inspiration. It was new revelation. It was the voice of God to Moses. And now it was recorded for, for everybody thereafter to eventually be able to learn and even read. And that's what God told Joshua to do, was meditate on all the law that he had given, all the word that he had given to Moses, and that that would make your path straight. That would, that would give you victory as you move in to the promised land. So while Joshua did receive new inspiration, and much of that is you know in recorded in in his book Joshua it begins with illumination god reminding him and teaching him the truth that had previously been given to moses via inspiration so the distinction between inspiration where god chooses a prophet or an apostle to receive new information is one thing, not not anything. I don't receive that. You don't receive that. But they were also illuminated, and illuminated is the reminder, the teaching of that which has come before, and that's what we're talking about, right? Uh, even the Lord Jesus experienced this. Person could go to Matthew chapter four, and read where shortly after the baptism by John. John the baptizer, Jesus went into the wilderness and was confronted by the enemy. And he defeated the enemy by, by sharing his, the answer he gave to the to the Satan's questions was the word of God that had been previously given in the Old Testament. He simply quoted scripture. So through the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit, and you can read about all of that in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus himself modeled for us how we can download God's previously written truth, which we now have in the 66 books of the Bible, store it up in our heart and mind, and then just, just as we often see in the podcast, God reminds us of that kind of truth. And this illumination is important for us to talk about at length because a person needs to hear from God. Now, the two primary ways to do that is to read the Bible devotionally, intelligently, prayerfully, uh, worshipfully, academically as well, but not, but but don't dare read it just academically. Uh, have a conversation with God when we're reading and studying his word, but get it in there, get it into our soul, get it into our thought processes so that Romans 12, 2 and other passages uh, are in effect. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then in real time, God will bring it to our memory just like he did a few moments ago for me, uh, 
with the passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, or the Matthew chapter 4. Uh, none of these passages were passages that you and I wrote down for a script. You know, we didn't go step by step to develop this, this podcast script. Because um, that illumination not only brings to our attention the truth we need in given situations like you described in sometimes in your small groups. But it's also a reminder that God is with us right here, right now, helping us to see him at work in our lives. Another passage of scripture to go to to see this really clearly is John chapter 14. So, you know, I'd encourage people to read John chapter 14. Pay attention to when Jesus is saying, if you remain in me or or in, my, in your version, it might say abide in me, things like that. Yeah, that's good. One thing I was wondering, and it, this may not be the, the best theological comparison, but. It would be like reading, and I know you and your son, you guys are big in the in the Lord of the Rings uh, for multiple reasons. But <laughs> if if I were to read the Lord of the Rings, and I'd have the complete storyline from you know little little Frodo getting the ring all the way to Mount Mount Doom. What's the that's right, Mount Doom, right? Yeah, all the way to the end. And for me as a, as a reader to go, oh, that's cool. But I wonder about this, like this Sauron guy, like I want the backstory. I think it would help me to understand the story more. No, it wouldn't. You knew exactly what happens in the story, but we want more. We want, yeah, but I wonder if I were to do that, how would this go differently? And so then I start asking more questions outside of the storyline. Well, any of those answers doesn't give you more on the story. The story is already completed. You know exactly what happens from start to end. So anything yeah. that comes outside of the story, it may satisfy a curiosity that we have, but it doesn't add to the story. It just adds to, or just, I guess, satiates my, my curiosity. I think the same way with God's word. The story is complete, A to Z. We're not going to add anything. We're not going to subtract anything. And may all the curses of the Bible fall on those who add or subtract from all of God's word. But when I start to add things outside of it, I don't get a clearer picture of God's story. It's already complete. Everything that I need to know is, is completed in there. But we humans, we want every question answered, every contingency planned for. I know, at least for me, I want I want to know why. But why this? Well, but why this way, God? Why all these things? I I, I seem to question like each each little bit, and it's it's irrelevant, honestly, to the storyline. It's it's just added information that you know, if God wanted to, he could sell a novella you know, on the side that would describe all these other things, but it wouldn't enhance his written plan of salvation. It wouldn't, it wouldn't enhance anything about that. 
Well, yeah, and there will be an enhancement in time. He's not finished, you know, he's not finished with that direct one-to-one communication. In heaven, we'll have that in abundance. But for now, the plan he's laid out is the plan we're living and the word that has been given to us in the Bible is is more than sufficient to meet our needs. I mean, I get it that people, you know, you have, well, I would believe in God. I would trust in God if he performed a miracle that I could see with my my own eyes. Those kind of things, right? Sure. Well, I I contend, and others obviously, it's not like I invented this, that God does that all the time, and that's what illumination is. You know, when when I'm in a stressful time or joyful time, it can be on either end of the continuum, and I hear the word of God in my mind that I have previously stored up in my mind by studying it, reading it. And I don't even set out to memorize passages of Scripture. I end up memorizing passages of Scripture by reading it so often. The more I read it, the more it just sticks. You know, I can just like work my way through the books of the Bible in my mind if I choose to because reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it. I'm not worshiping the the printed page. Uh, Dr. Joe Aldrich, uh, who's now with the Lord, used to say, we don't worship the printed page. We do, however, worship the prints of peace that the printed page tells us about. And we primarily know about the Prince of Peace through the printed page that he provided for us. There was a lot of peas in there. Excuse me for that. <laughs> uh, so the more I read it, the more I know the mind of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then in a moment of illumination, in real time, the eternal, infinite, almighty creator of all that is, other than himself, for he is self-contained. He is being to me in that moment, and I'm hearing from the voice of God. So earlier when I was reminded of, Second Peter chapter one verse three. When I was reminded of Matthew chapter four, that's God showing up and illuminating my mind and heart. The same way the Father and the Holy Spirit illuminated the the thoughts of Jesus in Math, and and it was recorded for us in Matthew chapter four when he contended with the enemy out in the wilderness. Now, somebody say, well, but Jesus is God, right? But on earth, he makes it crystal clear. He made it crystal clear that while he was here in the incarnation, when he was walking the earth, he depended fully upon his father, ostensibly to show us that we could do that too. You read about that a great deal in the gospel of John. So he's our great example of of not only inspiration, direct word of God, but also illumination, the reminder of the previous revelation that's come earlier. So, um, and we can do this 
a lot. Uh, scripture teaches that we can we can do this full time. Um, so it's a, and like I said, it produces joy, and that joy is the the elixir, so to speak, of our walk with with God. Uh, the, it's not it's not the emotion I'm after. It's it's knowing the presence of God, but knowing the presence of God produces a joy that is stronger than the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that that leads me astray from my walk with God. And going along with those lines, I think it's important to set the base of why we're why we're taking a whole month to talk about illumination. And the reason is what you just said right there. It's because when we can fully comprehend what illumination is, it brings about a joy and deepens our walk with the Lord. Yeah. If we think about those times when we feel isolated, like God's not communicating with us, and then eventually a lot of people, they'll turn away from God for a while. They'll, they'll become reclusive towards their Christian friends. They may they may be angry at God and therefore they don't want to talk to God because I was in my deepest need and you didn't talk to me. Well, but what if you did? What if that moment where scripture came into your head when you were about to do something that may not have been healthy for you? And that was him reminding you, hey, I've got better for you. I've got more for you. And you kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's the Bible. But God, you didn't tell me not to do this. Well, I did said clearly in Matthew clearly I said it because I showed you what happened and I brought up that story in your mind so if we can't and, and this goes back to discerning the voice of the Lord he said my sheep will know me by my call by my by my words well if that's true and if we don't know what it sounds like then he could be yelling right next to us he'd be on hey Hey, over here. And we would not be able to discern that it's Jesus. And we may go, where were you, God? I've, I've been waiting for you to talk to me. Like I've been, I've been screaming over on this hilltop for the longest time. You didn't, you didn't even look at me. So by understanding illumination, we can see the subtle bits of communication that God can give us on a day-to-day -day basis. Or we can understand how to listen and discern for those things. And then we'll start to see the miracles like you're talking about, Ricky, where God is talking to me daily. Yeah. In fact. And then it brings a deeper level of, so he is with me. And if he is with, oh, and he's talking to me daily and he really does love me. He's not just the deistic God who's just up in heaven. He put all these rules and laws in the place. And th good, follow these, I'm out. No, he he runs in here like Leroy Jenkins. There's no stopping. He runs in here and says, <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. And he's in our minds and in our thoughts, illuminating his word in those situations. But he's yeah. there. And when we know that, it's like, man, I have never felt more loved by God than when I continuously receive the illumination. Even yeah. the slightest things. The other day I was driving down the road, and I really love thunderstorms. And I know God knows that I love thunderstorms because he's El Roy. He sees down to my heart. 
And so I, anytime a thunderstorm comes in, it's like this special, you know, it's like God bringing a rose, but for me. And I was uh, I was driving down. I saw the thunderstorm coming up, and I said, oh, great. This is good. But God's not speaking to you in the thunderstorm. No, no. But it reminded me of, uh, of Job 39. Because in Job 39, when, when God's given his retort to Job based on his, his questioning of him, um, there's a section in there where he starts talking about putting a storehouse of hail and rain and who, you know, who blasted out the thunder from the storm. And it was, right. it was that little bit that reminded me like, well, it's, it's God, you know, like yeah. God did all of that stuff and he knows that. I love these things. So every time it happens, it reminds me of God's love for me. Not necessarily like, oh, God spoke to me in this, so I shouldn't go driving or anything like that. That's not what I mean. But it's just a subtle reminder of, yes, God loves me. Yeah. You know, in our abide groups, uh, we have some material that goes with that, that guides us as we uh, are teaching in, in discussion with with small groups and one of the the phases chapters uh, in the opening section we always have what the therapist says and then what the pastor says in one of those sections we talk about mindfulness and i'm, I'm going to read from it it says this being mindful is a moment-to-moment -moment process in which you slow down become attentive to your inner self as well as your surroundings and learn to be in the moment and intentional. This will help you, quote-unquote, see the things that trigger your emotions and subsequent physical responses and actions. When you begin to stop, look, and listen in real time, carefully, introspectively, to how you're thinking, how you're feeling, how you may have reacted in the past, how you would prefer to respond, and ultimately how you will respond in that moment, you will be on your way toward greater maturity, expanded self-discipline, and deliberate patience. In real time, as it's happening, you'll begin to recognize your childhood survival emotions and the dysfunctional coping tactics that partnered with them to form your inadequate defense mechanisms. Once you start seeing these negatives, you'll be able to divert yourself to more positive, productive skills, and you'll start growing into the person for whom you've been longing. And the next section follows that up and says, again, what you just read makes a lot of sense. However, <clears throat> in our relationship with Jesus, we have all that and so much more. Consider, for example, a passage of scripture like Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious filled with anxiety, can add a single hour to his span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, all of his glory, was not 
arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore don't be filled with anxiety and anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For everyone seeks after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Whatever that means, and we could talk about that, it's in the present aspect. Keep doing it, right? Keep on keeping on seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the presence of God and his righteousness for you. Well, if you can have that present tense aspect of the presence of God in your life and you're mindful of it moment by moment, that is a powerful antidote <laughs> to all the anxieties that we're filled with. It's through illumination that we see this, the presence of the kingdom of God in our life. And, you know, we can go on to discuss that a, a little bit more, but while therapies can give us mindfulness tools, God helps us to be mindful of him in our life. And the primary tool he uses for that is illuminating our minds with the word of God. Once again, not new inspiration, but the previously recorded inspired writings of the Bible held in our memory banks because we've read it devotionally and studied it. And now God brings that to us in real time in our times of need, just as you were describing. Yeah, and that's why I'm so excited about the rest of this month, because we are going to dive into some biblical examples of this illumination. And each week, we're going to focus on either one or two, depending on how much background is on them. And I think it's going to really bring out a new aspect of our, our relationship with Christ and with the Holy Spirit, understanding what it looks like, what he actually is present. And I think it's going to bring not only a greater level of maturity, but also a greater level of hope. Because as we know God is with us, then we know then that he's going to be with us even through the storms, like Psalm 23 says, uh, or when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Instead of me walking through and not hearing God, not understanding that he's present. So I think that's going to be quite a a world shaker for a lot of Christians. I know it was for me when I first started understanding how to hear God's communication to me. It was, it was, it was crazy. And then I started laughing. I started crying. I started jumping for joy. And it, it really did. It, it changed a lot of that anxiety that I had in my life because I knew, Oh, well, he, he's not failed to be with me. So yeah, Amen. I'm excited for that one. Um, Let's let's close out this one. And Ricky, if you'll pray just that this month of talking about illumination can really hit to the heart of the matter with a lot of us and uh, and that we would uh, bring about 
great, uh, great examples of it. Thank you, Father, for for promising that your word, um, your truth, your precepts, give us what we need. Because, in fact, it is you giving us your thoughts, your attitudes, your hopes, your desires, your guidelines, your wisdom for our lives. And it's not just in the book. It is in our hearts and in our mind. And so, Lord Jesus, when you said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, it's just layered with with multiple avenues of how we can apply that. You are truth, and everything you say is true. And you don't rob us of your presence. You are infinitely and intimately involved in our lives. Help us to be a people of the book, because we're, it's your book and we're your people. And we want to sit at your feet. We long to hear what you have to say. We want your truth to overwrite the old thinking that we have grown up with. We have gathered unto ourselves in our adult years. Help us to get that rewrite by being transformed by the renewing of our minds we and then speak it back to us through illumination father as we study the inspired words of the bible give them to us through illumination so that we can hear you rejoice in you follow you obey you abide with you for our betterment for the greater good for those in our lives and all the world and ultimately for your glory and honor. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So we want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. As you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and themes we talk about and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your walk. Thank you for listening and God bless.